Impact 89FM's own golf podcast. This is The Long Drive. Welcome into The Long Drive. I'm your host, Grace Goodlerick, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jack Latterman, as well as Nick Fardella and Tim Marshall. My gosh, what uh, we have so much to cover on this episode. What a week, wasn't it? Masters always is. Yeah, it was a crazy week with the live guys. You know, Brooks almost won, then he choked. It was a marathon of a Sunday, too, 30 holes. We It was kind of choppy in the beginning, but then it kind of made up for itself with a great Sunday. Yeah, so. this is probably one of the better Masters tournaments on record, for sure. At least that in the time that I've been watching golf, which has been quite a while, this is definitely one of the better ones. But first, before we dive into all of that, We've got some recaps ahead for you from the MSU men's golf team, the women's golf team, as well as the LPGA Tour. The men's golf team, April 3rd and 4th, played in the Red Hawk Invitational at Chambers Bay in University Place, Washington, finishing 5th out of 17 teams. Pretty strong showing for the team there. Led by Ashton McCullough, who carded a 4-under 67 in the final round, which was best for a T9 for the tournament at 1-over 214 strokes with rounds of 72-75 and 67 to lead the team in the individual scoring. They will next see action Saturday, April 22nd, and Sunday, April 23rd in the Illini Spring Invite. For the women's team, they are on this weekend, the 15th and 16th, at the Lady Buckeye Invitational at the Scarlet Course in Columbus, Ohio. Same thing with the LPGA Tour. This weekend, April 12th through the 15th, is the Lot Championship presented by Hoakale at the Hoakale Country Club in Oahu, Hawaii. So... There's some brief recaps on what's going on surrounding the MSU men's and women's golf team as well as men's and women's golf teams as well as the LPGA Tour. So now we kind of move into a little bit of news. We start off with a pretty grim piece of news, unfortunately. World number eight, Will Zalatoris, uh, has officially called it quits for the season. He pulled out of the Masters prior to his first round on Thursday, flew home, had back surgery on Saturday. He is recovering for the rest of the year and will not play on the PGA Tour again, unfortunately, this year. So wishing him all the best in his recovery. Some other guys withdrawing from the RBC Heritage this week, which is one of the uh, elevated events on the PGA Tour as part of their new combating schedule to try and contest with uh, Live Golf and their purses, uh, which are in excess of $25 million dollars. Uh, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day withdraw, Alex Noren as well. Like I mentioned, the RBC Heritage is one of those elevated events. It was elevated from just a regular tour status event to an elevated event, along with the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the Wells Fargo Championship, and the Travelers, in addition to Invitationals, Majors, and the FedEx Cup Playoffs events. Uh, they feature $20 million purses, so ton to play for those, ton to play for in all of these elevated events. And in terms of Rory, he also skipped the Century Tournament of Champions, which is another designated event on the PGA Tour that is elevated. And you can, you're allowed to skip one of those designated events, and you must provide injury designation for any others that you miss. So since Rory has skipped two and has not provided injury designation for skipping the RBC Heritage, he may lose a percentage of his player impact program money, of which he finished second last year. It was worth $12 million. You know, he... Had an awful showing at the Masters, played his way right out of contention, missed the cut on Friday, shooting 77 in the second round. So 
with that Masters week, amazing. Besides those guys that missed the cut, the final round ratings were up a 19% increase from last year uh, to 12.058 million. That's a huge jump for everybody involved. So congratulations to all those guys that were able to go out there and play great golf. The ratings are up. Golf is on the rise, and it's really good to see. And Patrick Cantley's slow play is becoming <laughs> that this is coming to the forefront now. You know, you got anything here, Jack? Like I know we were talking about this earlier today. Like his whole slow play thing, it's really becoming a problem. Yeah, I was really trying to. Um, I want to see a Cantley and Bennett side mm-hmm. by side to see who played slower. Um, and I know it was Brooks made a comment about Rom. Uh, I believe it was Rom, right? Going to the bathroom seven times yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> John Rahm went to the bathroom seven times during yep. our final 18 holes yep. and still managed to wait on for almost every single shot. There's right. there's a video of them standing on the 16th tee just watching yeah. yep. what Brooks was happening. Brooks' face, he looks so mad. Yeah, they looked just so upset. And, yeah. and you could see Hovland was like about to putt, and Cantlay was still like 80 yards. Yeah, I think it was walking. Victor Hovland flew it left of the 13th green in his final round on Sunday. He was up there hitting his pitch shot up under the green, and Patrick Cantley's still 100 yards away <laughs> walking up the fairway. He's, I think it took him five hours to play his final round. It was just – so that's obviously been a huge contentious topic on the PGA Tour for a few years now. Patrick Cantley's always one of those guys that you hear in the mix when it comes to slow play. It was Bryson, but no, nobody's got to worry about him because he's gone, not on the tour anymore. So Patrick Cantley apparently needs to pick his uh, – pace of play up or unless he wants to fight with a few guys out there on tour so that leaves us with what was one of the greatest spectacles in all of sports masters week masters sunday it was amazing like i said probably one of the better masters on record won by john rom becomes the fourth spaniard to ever win the masters joining two-time champion seve ballesteros Two-time champion Jose Maria Olathabal and Sergio Garcia, obviously winning in 2017. And ironically enough, it was almost kind of meant to happen for John Rahm because on Sunday, April 9th, when John Rahm did win the Masters, it would have been Seve Ballesteros' 66th birthday. So kind of just a little bit of predestination. So congratulations to John Rahm. He vaults to world number one again and kind of leapfrogs Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, maintains his lead the FedEx Cup, he's also been on an absolute heater this year. It's his fourth win on the PGA Tour, his second major championship in addition to the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines South. So, guys, what did you think of this week? we got a lot lot to talk about here. You know, it's the Masters. Yeah, in terms of uh, John Rahm, he's really easy to root for, I feel like. And usually you want to root for the underdogs. You want um, some of these crazier guys to win, but Rahm is just – He's so fun to watch, his swing, all of it, his attitude. Um, so I was really happy to watch that. I bet him at plus 1,400 after the double bogey on one. Um, so I was rooting for him all weekend. And, yeah, he's just so fun to watch and just – I just really like him as a person. I think he's he's just easy to root for. So yeah, I don't think many people are mad about this result. Really easygoing guy. Yeah. You know, he's never really – he's always been – one of those guys that's not contentious about anything, except for he he does have a little contention with the official world golf rankings yeah. and how that works. But other than that, you know, he's always been a really easy guy to root for. He goes out and plays his best. He wins a lot. He's a fan favorite, you know. 
Yeah, you know, like when he started, when he started that he double bogey. Like if that was me, I would not be able to come back from that. And he wins the <laughs> Masters. It's crazy to see. And like he's like a he's a heavier set guy, so I feel like it makes more people want to root for him too. He's not like the best in shape. Yeah, the guy looks like he uh, he could definitely be like a linebacker in, yeah. in, the, in the league. He's yeah. 6'2", 230, guy's a unit, you know? With this being Rom's, he's, it looks like he's entering his prime now. He's had a couple years. He has the one major, but now he's a two-time major winner, and that's like a big jump. Like A lot of guys can luck into one. Obviously, he played well in that U.S. Open. He deserved that. But now you have two, and now you're like a solidified great. And I think like... It just made sense that he was going to win a Masters. He like when you saw him with the green jacket on, it didn't look like a mistake. Like he was just a guy who's, and I think he said it like he knew, like he knew, like by the time his career was over, he would have a Masters. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it you really hit on it with like it's just so it, like so him to yeah, win it, it. like you, you, with the two two major championships and yeah, like guys that go out and win one major. You know, like I can remember a lot of people like. When Brooks Kepka won the 2017 U.S. Open, it was like, well, who's Brooks Kepka? He had only won one other time on the PGA Tour. Nobody knew, knew who this guy was. He goes and wins three other majors within the next two years. Like Dustin Johnson, 2016 U.S. Open, like perennial all-star on the PGA Tour, and then he goes and wins at Augusta in 2020. And it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's legit now. So, yeah, like the first major is always, yeah, you, you got over the hump and really good for you. But you're not necessarily an all-time great yet. The second major obviously does it. You know, we've seen one major winner, one-time major champions like Paul Azinger and Davis Love, guys that are yeah, they're really really good players, but they're not the elite of the elite. Where you, when you think of the all-time best, like Danny Willett, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would probably contend that a lot of people that follow golf maybe don't even know who that don't is. even know who he <laughs> is or only know him because he's. <laughs> <laughs> won a green jacket in 2016, uh, which should have been Jordan Spieth, arguably. Yeah. So, yeah, this, you know, it it was really interesting. Rory McIlroy misses a cut. Justin Thomas misses a cut. And, you know, Justin Thomas really kind of played his way out of it on Saturday morning, just imploding on, for his, Tiger. Imploding yeah. on his final seven holes. However, he did open the door for the GOAT, Tiger Woods, to make the cut. Thank God. He ties the record with Gary Player and Fred Couples for most consecutive cuts made at 23. We'll see if he can break that next year when he returns to Augusta. Hopefully, my gosh, yeah, you see the video. Look, he did not look went good. Right after, right before the they stopped it on Saturday. Yeah, he looked, yeah. He looked awful. He needed a cart or a wheelchair he, or a stretcher or something. I really yeah. don't know how much more he's got left in him. He did say that this could potentially be his final Masters, and you know he said it's plantar fasciitis which is a really really touchy injury that you don't want to do anything with uh, to aggravate that so hopefully tiger does get better and we can see him playing golf again so you know what 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 really were you, you know the whole rory thing that's interesting he imploded on friday afternoon shoot 77 what were you guys like kind of who were you looking for a little bit more out of this week um first i was surprised uh phil i think we we should yes. talk about yeah the, you we have to cover yeah the uh, live guys for the sure live yeah. guys in general patrick reed had a pretty good showing phil uh pretty much out of nowhere i think 
I would guess more people bet him to miss the cut than probably to like top 20, I would think. Oh, speaking of making a missing cut bets, but we'll get to that after you finish yeah. your sentence. Um, and Henley, too, um, I think had a, had a really good last two days. Um, and then there are some guys that, like Morikawa, Hovland, Cam Young, Xander, they all had pretty decent showings. Um, a little bit, Hovland obviously wasn't early. Uh, he was really good early, but the rest of them kind of a little bit quietly. Um Good showings. They're in pretty good form. Um, I had Varner, Finau, and Neiman all pretty heavily. Um, and they all made the cut. Finau was a little disappointing. T26, I was really high on him. Um, but again, 26 at the Masters, I mean, that's not that's not a bad uh, weekend. Oh, yeah. It's double the money you're going to make in any other tour event, unless right. you're making it at an ele- elevated field. But, yeah, you the live guys, you really hit on it there. Three finishing in the top ten uh, with – Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and uh, Patrick Reed, 2018 champion in Augusta National, you know, Joaquin Neiman, T16. He's another one of the guys that has gone to the Live Golf Tour. So do you guys think, like, they could possibly, th- that this was strong enough to get world ranking points maybe? It's an interesting uh course to have the first kind of, this is the first real one where it's Live versus PGA because last year they were still, kind of making the move and it was they were still in the schedule of the PGA Tour. They were playing every week. They were con- uh practicing consistently. But now there was an off season, you come back and they put the live guys played really well. Uh I'll be interested to see how that translates to the next one at the PGA cuz like all the guys you listed have played well at Augusta in the past. And that's like you need that when you go to Augusta. You need experience. So I think it's kind of maybe how much of it is experience and how much of it is uh, just like they're really still at the top of their game. Because like Phil Mickelson, (laughs) if you look at his most recent, it's like a lot of cuts. It's DNPs and then it's uh, a win and a T2. Freddie Couples said it best in his interview, you know, he's shooting 74 and 75 every round and not even finishing remotely close to the top 20. So. I mean, I didn't expect all the live guys like Brooks and all them to do this well. I thought they would do decent, but not this well. So, I mean, especially Phil. I was crazy to see that how well he did there. Yeah, he played great. Yeah. But I think, Tim, you really hit on it with the experience coming yeah. into Augusta National because, I mean, honestly, the you hit on it with the PGA. I cannot remember the last time that the PGA, any major championship was at Oak Hill. Yeah, Which is I, where the PGA is this year. It was 2011, year. I believe. 2011. Yeah. It was 10 plus years. Was it a... Uh, Duffner, right? Uh, that, 2013, so. yeah. Oh, 13. Duffner. 2011 was Keegan Bradley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Atlanta Athletic yep. Club, yep. Um, yeah, 2013, which... Yeah, yeah it's hand, been a decade. Handful of guys maybe oh, were man. playing on tour and, uh, that are going to play in it now. Yeah. But, like, yeah, the live guys, no, maybe probably zero to none. And, of course, yeah. 10 years later, I imagine that um, went through some sort of renovation. Cause oh, ha- yeah. There's nothing that – there's not many courses from 2013 that really stand up today. And that's crazy that it's only been 10 years. And it- right, yeah. So, yeah, Jason Duffner, first uh, – First major, first and only major championship <laughs> yep. there, kind of. Duff Daddy, he's one of the favorites on the PGA Tour. So, you know, with that, it was – and you, we've got Sam Bennett written down here on our note sheet too. You guys yeah. got anything on the low am, the the, the Texas a <laughs> He was supposed to play 36 holes on Monday, but 
in the Aggie Invitational, but I guess he didn't end up doing oh, that. He just watched oh, watched his story. <laughs> uh, yeah. and he had to carry his own. His coach yeah. was his caddy all week, and he had to guy he had to fly back to College Station Sunday night, and he was supposed to play thirty six holes and carry his bag on Monday. So, yeah, I think it was everything was on uh, Gordon Sargent all week. That yes. he was going to be the low am. I think yeah. he played with Rory. I think it was in his practice round. It was people were like, "Oh, he's out driving JT and Rory." Bet everything you have on Gordon Sargent. Um, nothing against him. Like obviously he's an amateur playing the Masters, uh, but he did finish bottom of the um, for amateurs, which yeah. still like I nothing against him. But um, again, Bennett a little bit, kind of no one really knew who he was. I mean, he won the. What was it, the amateur? Uh, whatever it was. Mid-am. Mid-am. Sure. Mid-am, and he's the defending individual NCAA champion. Yeah, so. so, I mean, obviously he's still a good golfer, but I didn't hear many people talking about him um, before, and there's the story about his dad and all that coming yeah. out. So, obviously, uh, really good for him. Uh, like we talked about, Cantlay, he's another very slow golfer, but still, he's. Mm-hmm. it was really cool to see someone like him um, step up, and he hung with him basically oh, yeah. Sam, three yeah. and a half days. Sam Bennett, for sure, yeah. he yeah. Bright future on the tour. For yeah, sure. very, like fan favorite too. A lot of people pulling for him, uh, more than you see for an amateur. Like overnight, like nobody knew his name coming into the week, and then mm-hmm. it was by like even the reception you got it if you saw the video at his uh, airport when he came back home. It yeah. was a huge reception. Yeah, for him. I walked into the lobby and everything. Yeah, you know, my friends like don't they don't watch golf, and I was watching, it and they're like the Sam Bennett guy. I kind of like him. I want to watch it now just to see him golf. You know, he was teed off with a. Uh, Scotty Scheffler and Max Homa, it's crazy that he actually competed with them, too. Yeah, yeah the best score. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you see the video of him taking a zen in the middle, middle of the round? I did see that. I did yeah, see that's that. So yeah, funny. that's yeah, a lot of – that's for sure going to be one of the yeah. – uh, yeah, that he's a fan favorite now for yeah. sure for that. Um, so on that note, yeah, I think we, we just covered everything. Everything massive. Oh, well, we've got the, the weather. The tr- oh, my God, the, the weather. Tree. My God. Could, wow. Saturday? It was bad, but that tree – it seriously there were could three, have taken lives. And it could have, they, unfortunately, killed ra- people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The fact that no one got injured, I think, was... A miracle. Uh, I'm surprised uh, no one got a injured. A minor miracle. Well, if, they said that it's 12 minutes before tea times, normally. There's two spots where it's 18 minutes to just, like, prevent, like, clogging up. So, like, in the middle of all those 12 minutes, there's an 18-minute break. And the tree fell, like, four or five minutes into that 18-minute break. So they were saying, like... If that was a normal tea time, people would have been there, like oh. fans, because no one was teeing off for like a couple minutes. There were no fans really in that area, so it could have been bad. Yeah, and I believe Tiger was on 11 at the time. If yeah. he was on 16, then there would have been so many people. more people yeah. there, oh, and it could have yeah. been a real problem. For sure, yeah. It could have been just an absolute disaster for all our listeners <laughs> yeah, out there. I'm not sure like, if you probably, watched the video, but yeah. people could have been killed. That was not a tree. I mean, it was like... When you think of like those big the tall Georgia pines, yeah. the big yeah. tall South Georgia pines. I don't like. Can you even finish a golf tournament if something that, that bad okay. happens? That's what like, I was going to say. Well, exactly. That's kudos to the groundskeepers at Augusta National Golf Club because they knew that Saturday was just going to be the worst weather possible. I think it barely broke fifty, and it rained all day. Literally, I got up at eight o'clock in the morning and turned it on. It was raining then. It was raining when they stopped play at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the of, afternoon. They got a lot of golf in. But it was just total yeah. carnage. I mean, and then Sunday it played like Augusta. Like one-day yeah. turnaround, it was like a normal golf course. Yeah, you didn't I really mean, see any signs and of And it's always been one of the better courses that has 
drained on yes. the PGA Tour. You always hear like, yes, if, if it rains at Augusta, it drains well. But you saw standing water on Saturday. Some of the you know, greens were cold. Some of the greens, like, God, how can we watch guys play yeah. on this? Like, it was just total carnage on Saturday for sure. And then, obviously, thank God nobody was hurt by the falling trees on Saturday or Friday, excuse me, which caused play to be stopped. So thankful for that. So with the 2023 Masters in the book, we look ahead to next year. John Rahm wondering what he's planning for his champion's dinner right now. That he's would probably be a good dinner. Yeah, oh, <laughs> some Spanish food is going to be really good. I would assume some paella would most likely be on on the menu for that. One of my favorites. So with that, we move to the RBC Heritage in a new format this year. Uh, it, it's like I said. Uh, previously mentioned one of the new elevated events on the PGA Tour which is kind of starting to combat losing guys from the tour to the live tour so with that there it's a 20 million dollar purse this year elevated along with the waste management Phoenix Open the Wells Fargo Championship and the Travelers Championship in addition to the Invitationals the Century Tournament of Champions and the Majors as well as the FedEx Cup playoffs. So kind of setting the schedule for the elite players that have remained on the PGA Tour, which there's quite a few. So defending champion, one of those guys, Jordan Spieth, won it uh, last year at 13 under over another one of those elite guys on the PGA Tour, the aforementioned Mr. Slow Play, Patrick Cantley, (laughs) who he ousted in a playoff on the 18th hole. And we all remember Patrick Cantley's total implosion on 18 last year. Didn't even finish the hole. It was conceded basically to Jordan Spieth. Seven players last year finished at a log jam tied for third, including some elite ball strikers, Cam Davis, Matt Kuchar, Shane Lowry, JT Poston, Sepp Straka, Harold Varner III, and Cam Young. You know, another guy, guys that are really built for this course, Tommy Fleetwood, top 10, uh, Tied for 10th last year, Corey Connors, T12. And an interesting bit of – it is hosted at Harbortown Golf Links, one of the standard stops on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, let's get into it. Let's dive into it here. Um, So these are just some quick facts. Some of the hardest greens to hit once again. Second Um, smallest on the PGA Tour. Yep. Fairways gained uh, is a big stat for that that reason you need to be uh, in pretty good shape off the tee in order to hit those greens. Course history, it seems like, matters a lot. Um, I believe it said third it does. third most by the metrics out of any uh, tour event. Um, so I looked a lot at what players have made the cut in each of their appearances, who has multiple top 10s, top 15. Yeah, it says, according to this website that I'm on, the course history at Harbortown, which the event has been played there since 1969, it's the 17th most predictive on the PGA Tour in terms of strokes gained, finishing positions, and stuff like that, which compiles into the last two winners, 2021 Stuart Sink, last year Jordan Spieth, led the field in strokes gained tee to green. So gaining strokes on the field, hitting fairways, hitting greens is huge. And the greens are, as Jack said, half the size of the regular square, the regular average square footage of what they typically are in the PGA Tour. It's really tight. It's it's a little bit shorter. It's just over 7,000 yards, which is very short for a course on the PGA Tour. Uh, and it ha- features many dogleg fairways, you know, so shaping the ball is going to be huge. Uh, and, and last year, I, I made a note of this, 
Jordan Spieth, obviously won last year, blew away the field in strokes gained tee to green at 3.33. The next closest was Cameron Young, who finished in that log jam tied for third at 2.67. So look for your strokes gained tee to green guys this week. So, Yeah, I think um, I'm also looking at approach per normal um, a lot. And good drives another category. Basically, that's just saying, um, like, if you hit the fairway or you hit the rough, how do you get it back into the fairway or on the green after that? Um, so that's a category I'm thinking a lot about. And Bermuda putting, another. Um, some of the really good, really good players struggle on Bermuda. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, 95th ranked on Bermuda. Obviously, he's Scotty Scheffler. He can, he can outdo that. But yeah. um, that's just something to look at. Like Morikawa, 130th in the field on Bermuda. Like, that's um, just something to think about you know it'll be interesting to see obviously it's a loaded field but how they like are going to go because they obviously just competing in the masters they put everything to that so will it be like fully like a hundred percent there just ready to win i i love this event one of the best finishing holes in golf yeah like it's, the scenery of the coast the is just beautiful yeah it's awesome probably number one for me yeah. yeah i i don't love how tight it is like the opening hole is a very tight hole like i i kind of prefer a more wide open course where guys can like kind of take driver off the tee like you're not taking driver off the tee here as much as usual but i i still like the course i think it will be a good event yeah harbor town's always awesome i'd love to play it someday I have a friend that's played it before and he says it's just amazing i have a cousin that's played it says it's just great so i'd love to get down there uh sometimes and nick you really hit on it with the stacked field i noted 38 of the top 50 in the official world golf ranking playing this week 28 of the top 30 in the fedex cup playing this week just a plethora of major champions, PGA Tour winners. It's a loaded field. So with the loaded field, let's get into some of the groups, the featured groups that were posted earlier today on the PGA Tour's website. You know, you've got the elite players. You've got guys that have qualified by virtue of ranking points and virtue of winning this event in the past. So some of those featured groups are the biggest of the biggest, the biggest of the big names that you can possibly get on the PGA Tour. So let's get into our favorites. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to go with the Xander, Lowry, and Sahith group. Um, Xander, one of my favorite plays this week. He's number three um, in my model. I really like him. Lowry, another one who has great course history. Um, he's two, yeah. two-thirds and a ninth in his last four he's f- here. He's fourth on this list right here, yep. which are Matt Kuchar, Webb Simpson, and Patrick Cantley are the ones that are above Shane Lowry on yep. and this course. His approach is, is really, really good. Um, and then Sahith, I was surprised to see. I saw some people talking about how they think he has a legit shot um, with Zal out at the Ryder Cup team. Um, which I can I, see it. Yeah. Wow. So what? Thirtieth maybe in the world. Yeah. Twenty eighth, yeah, something there, like yeah. that. Twenty eight. They were talking 30, 28, about he's a very likable guy. He's he's a young guy. So I mean, one of these elevated events. This is real something for him to actually. This is huge. Prove himself. This yeah. is like a do or die week for him, right? I mean, what, what, how did he finish at the Masters? He played pretty well. He was a top ten. Uh, he, finished, sure. he finished ninth. Okay, yeah, top Ninth, um, yeah, exactly. He has, <clears throat> it looks like six top tens this year, five top tens this year. I mean, that's Oh, he's pretty, playing great. Yeah. I mean, he's he's on kind of that Cam Young trajectory where, like, they've done everything yeah. except for win. Right, yeah. So. Yep. Uh, my favorite group is Max Homa, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Ricky Fowler. Um, Max, you know, he didn't do that well last week at the Masters, but it was his best finish. 
and obviously Fitzpatrick's pretty good. So, and just t- finishing on the the gala, um, he is up to twenty eighth in the world and twelfth in the FedEx. So he wow, wow. huge. I, he could, he could definitely be a guy and like the full swing effect is real i think that has something to do with the ratings the like, pip the yeah. full swing is huge for the pip yeah yeah and he could be like one of those guys that kind of substitutes for um like the live losses but for my uh favorite group i have justin thomas victor hovland sam burns mixed bag of um results last week obviously jt had a tough week didn't make the cut but hovland played really well he just he couldn't stick it through for uh, 72 holes. And then Sam Burns, sneaky, played pretty well. So that's my best group. Yeah, it's, I thought I, I like Sam Burns this week, but then again I don't because he's accurate off the tee. But this is one. This is probably the only course, Harbor Town Golf Links, where hitting it too far is going to be very much at your yeah. disadvantage this week. So I was shocked to see some of his stats I looked into. He is number two in the field in Bermuda putting and third last in approach. Approach. And you have to hit the greens here. <laughs> like and you, it's do or die. 126th the in good drives. So like it's a little bit up and down. Um if he gets on those greens, he may win it. But he could very well he miss could, these greens pretty bad and have a rough go. Yeah, he could I think there's no real middle ground for him yeah. this yeah. week. It's They're, either miss cut or like it's either miss the miss <laughs> right. the cut or he finishes tied for second. Yeah. Like that's what that's what it is. So with my group that I'm taking, it this feels to me like three guys that have a legitimate shot to win it because they don't really hit it too far and they're probably some of the most accurate players on the tour. Some of the best ball strikers for sure. The feature group of Patrick Cantley, Colin Morikawa, and Corey Connors. Starting with Colin Morikawa, we've got a plethora of stats written down here. He's first in putting from three feet. So with these greens getting up and down with a wedge maybe, like you're going to have a lot of three, four, five footers. He's first in that category on the PGA Tour. He's also second in approach to the green, strokes gained in that category right behind Tom Hoagie, who I also will talk about later on in this episode. And he's also second on the tour this year in driving accuracy. So hitting the fairway, hitting the green, the strokes gained approach, it's a perfect storm for Colin Morikawa this week at Harbortown. Same thing with Patrick Cantley. Second in strokes gained off the tee. He sits six in total strokes gained. He made the playoff last year. He has incredible history here since 2017. His four previous appearances since 2017, he has finished second, third, seventh, and third. So this feels like the week that Patrick Hanley can maybe go out and win it. The final guy in that group, Corey Connors, obviously coming off the win at the Valero Texas Open, his his second in four years at that tournament a few weeks ago. He's 16th in green and regulation average. He's heralded as one of the best iron players on tour. He's also 10th in par 5 birdie or better average, and there are only three par 5s on this course. It is It is a par 71. So being able to capitalize on those par fives is huge because, you know, they're small greens, got to hit the fairway. So a lot of these holes, quite frankly, aren't really that gettable. Yep. So I think par fours also, uh, for that sort of same reason, there's more of that, like more of them, obviously. Um, so I think strokes gain par four is another thing. That's a, that's a very good point. Yeah. So that is, yeah, the RBC heritage elevated event. It's a, it's a new format this year because you've never really had a loaded field here. It's always kind of been like that 
relaxed feeling after the pressure of Augusta. You kind of go to yeah. Hilton Head, which yeah. is a beach town. Like, Stewart, uh, sorry, Stuart Sink won two years ago. Yeah, like, exactly. A, with, his, so, with his son on the back, who was like a temporary caddy. So there so. was one after COVID. This was the, I believe, second or third event back. Yes, and it Webb Simpson went. It, yes, it wasn't this good of a field, but it was pretty strong. Um, it was. That's besides true. Besides that, though, yeah, it's it's not much. Yeah, besides besides the COVID restart field, I think this is the best field that's ever played oh, yeah. this event I don't for think sure. It's even close. And yeah, there was a you know Webb Simpson is one of the guys who has played well previously. Uh, he's second in terms of uh, his course history here in the last like two thousand in the last. Uh, Eight to nine years behind only Matt Kuchar, obviously, with the win in 2020, and he's kind of embarking on in in a little bit dark territory without Paul Tesori there on his bag. So really interesting to see how Webb Simpson will fare this week at Harbor Town. So that moves us to our one and done. We've got some really interesting picks for this week, but last week John Rahm was my one and done pick, and. Yeah. I went from worst to first. It was just like I was traded at the trade deadline in any league from a team that is at the bottom of the division to a team that potentially could win the championship. So I am now first in our one-and-done pick game here on the long drive. John Rahm won me $3.24 million last week by virtue of winning the Masters. So now I have a total of three three million four hundred twenty four thousand eight hundred sixty eight total dollars won the second place uh in our pit game here is jack he took tony finau who like he kind of hinted didn't really have that strong of a showing finished t26 for a hundred forty seven thousand dollar payout nothing to sneeze at for sure uh and he stands in second with uh two million four hundred two thousand and nine hundred twenty two dollars made tim was able to Pick two last week. Uh, he did not have a pick for the Valero Texas Open. That was our fault, my fault. Uh, he took both Sung J M and Colin Morikawa. Sung J M finishing T sixteen two hundred sixty one thousand dollars, and Colin Morikawa finishing in the top ten uh, gets to go back next year, four hundred thirty two thousand dollars. Tim's made nine hundred twelve thousand dollars to sit in fourth place, and Nick takes two thousand fifteen champion Jordan Spieth. Who kind of had a roller coaster week? Finished tied for fourth with seven hundred forty-four thousand dollars made, and Nick stands in third at one million one hundred sixty-nine thousand nine hundred and twenty-five dollars made. So, let's get into the picks this week because I know we've got some interesting guys written down here. I'm taking Sunjay M, and I'm very excited about him. Uh, he got twenty-first last year, thirteenth the year before that. Um, he just all over the stats board. He's he's pops everywhere. Um, his he's only, a ball striker. He's a ball. Tita Green is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing that's a little bit scary is strokes game putting is pretty far down there. But Bermuda is his best putting surface. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I think this course fits in perfectly. Um, I'm very excited about Sanjay. Uh, I'm thinking Hovland. You know, he played really good the first couple of rounds uh, last week, and then he kind of faded away. But hopefully he can carry the momentum in this week. I got Cam Young. Uh the, the caddy change has done wonders for him. Paul Tesori, yeah. I didn't really – you were very high on it. I was I was kind of skeptical. Like, he's still kind of a guy that didn't really have the putter. But last week really proves that, like, he – like, back-to-back majors with really good 
uh, finishes. I think he might he might win a major this year. If I'm I being honest, I think he can break through. Like yeah. he could, yeah. like first would, win, be a major. Like that would, would not be. be surprised. No, not it's at crazy all. Crazy that was, a caddy can do that too. Just change his whole career. Yeah, caddies are. Yeah, I remember because it's putting. I think yeah, his worst thing yeah. is putting, and that's what. The oh yeah, I mean he's with. a he's a ball striking machine, and he right. can mash at three twenty every time, but. You can get it to the green if you can't putt, then yeah. you're dead in the water. And Paul Tesori has for sure changed that. Yeah, I remember it was a couple of years ago, and Dustin Johnson hired his brother Austin as his caddy. <laughs> and everybody's like, what is this guy doing? And they went on to win a couple majors, multiple PGA Tour events. Like, So it does prove that caddies matter that much more than people may think on the surface. So with me... This week, I we've talked about this guy a lot so far in the episode. Patrick Cantley is my one and done pick. Like I said, the course history here is just too much to shy away from in terms of how well he has played at this event. Like I said, in four previous appearances since his debut in 2017, he's gone second, third, seventh, and third. He's also second, strokes gained off the tee, of which the last two winners that have won the RBC Heritage, Stuart Sink, Jordan Spieth, both led the field in strokes gained tee to green. So he is uh, very, very very well off in that category, six in total strokes gained. You know, he made the playoff last year. He was this close to beating Jordan Spieth. So my one-and-done pick is Patrick Cantley. And as the second pick game on the Long Drive podcast, three guys to make the cut, one guy to finish in the top ten. These are our locks for the week. So who do you guys have? Uh, my first is going to be Andrew Putnam. Um, really, really strong putter on Bermuda. His course history is as bad as it can be. Uh, five attempts and missed the cut on all five, so that's a little worrisome. Um, but that makes him cheaper, uh, and his odds are better because of that. And I just think that he's pretty decent form coming in, can putt extremely well, and his approach is pretty good. So uh, he's my first. Sam Ryder is my second, another amazing Bermuda putter. Uh, birdie machine. And I just think that his his number is incorrect. Um, and then Ben Martin is another one who is totally dropped um, on the betting markets. A lot of people must be betting him. Uh, tenth of Valero, four, Valero, four top tens in his last six events. Um, extremely good hitting fairways. I think he's he's a good long shot too betting wise. And then my top ten, I'm gonna go Hatton. I think he fits this course super super well. You think so? Yes. Why? I do. Bogey avoidance. Um, That's true. I wrote Jason Day down because of his bogey yeah. avoidance. Yeah. Um, Bermuda is his best surface. He's gotten third here, of course, history-wise. Uh, birdies are better. Really good par four, I think. I mean, it's a little bit. His tee to green is okay. Um, it doesn't stick out, but it's mid-tier. Um, I, I think he's going to do really well. I bet him top ten as well. I had to make the cut. Keith Mitchell, uh, Mimu Lee, and J.J. Spahn in top ten Tigala. We said earlier about Tagal how he's like really, he was really having like a good season. I think he can uh, get top ten this this week. Yeah, Minwoo Lee coming off a missed cut at the Masters, so he's trying to keep his trying to keep his temporary membership and turn it into a a permanent one. I got uh, Cam Davis. He had some success here last year, T three, and then Sahith. I think he can really turn that momentum from last week. Uh, his parents can cheer louder for him now, not at Augusta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, just Billy Horschel. I feel like this is just a Billy Horschel spot where you can just – you're like, oh, he's in contention. And then um, Hovland top 10 momentum from last week as well. Yeah, for sure. I like the Billy Horschel pick. I've, I've never really been a huge big Hor- Billy Horschel fan, but this just kind of seems yeah. like the course that he can 
kind of go out and win it. Not the not the longest hitter, but he's really accurate. So my guys to make the cut, finish top ten. I'm going Tom Hoagie, Luke Donald, and Jason Day. Tom Hoagie, you know, we've mentioned how pivotal approach is here. He is first on the PGA Tour this year in strokes gained approach, second in approaches 50 to 125 yards, those wedge-type numbers. So he ranks second in that category. That's huge uh, on a course like this. And another good wedge player, Luke Donald, uh, champion. I uh, don't believe he's actually a champion of this event. Uh, he has two, three seconds and a third. Okay, so very, very close. He's first in approaches 75 to 100 yards, 50 to 125 yards overall and first in putting from 7 to 10 feet. So if he does miss the green, then you can basically pencil him in for par on scrambling numbers uh, with the those stellar putting statistics. And like I said, first in all the aforementioned uh, categories in terms of wedge wedge play, wedge number approaches. So look for Luke Donald this week. Uh, my third guy to make the cut coming off, he, he's caught a heater. He's back. I, I, I really do think he is back. Jason Day. First and scrambling from 10 to 20 yards, it's huge. M- missed the green at, at uh, Hilton Head, that's huge. First in, on the PGA Tour, scrambling 10 to 20 yards. He's also second in bogey avoidance. You mentioned Terrell Hatton for bogey avoidance. Jack, I'm taking Jason Day for his second rank this year on the PGA Tour in bogey avoidance and fifth in total strokes gained. So strokes gained is obviously huge this week. Uh, as it always is, Jason Day, fifth in that category. And my top 10 lock, I have to go with him, Colin Morikawa. He's part of my favorite group. You know, I mentioned all those stats. First in putting from three feet, second in approach to the green in terms of strokes gained, second in driving accuracy. It's a perfect storm this week for Colin Morikawa to really kind of make his mark. You know, two-time major champion, but hasn't really won a lot of other PGA Tour events. He's kind of fallen off. His last win was the 2021 Open Championship at Royal St. George's. So look for Colin Morikawa this week to have a really strong showing in a loaded field. So that leads us to our favorite prop bets of the week. We've got a ton written down here. Lead us off, Jack. Uh, I have too many, per usual. Um, Wyndham Clark, I have to top 20. That's plus 300. And to win, um, which is 80 to 1. He is one of the top course history guys here. Sixth at Corrales, uh, fifth at Valspar. Coming in really well. He has not missed the cut since October in any of his events. Um, so I'm feeling good about him. Shane Lowry, I talked about earlier. Top 20, plus 150, and to win 30-1. Uh, to 16th at the Masters, two-thirds, and a ninth in his last four here. Um, approach, fantastic. I really, really like him this week. Um, Hatton, top 10, who I took earlier as well, and to win. Uh, plus 4,000 to win on Hatton, I think, is interesting. Brian Gay, top 20. Um Honestly, just totally random. He's number one. Well, his game suits this course. He's number one in Bermuda putting uh, and good tee to green. Um, top 20 is plus 3,000. That's sort of just a total long shot. He's the stone min in DFS, um, which is not great. But And then finally, I have a to-make-the-cut parlay that's on DraftKings like already put together. Um, Cam Young, Lowry, Kucher, and Clark plus 175. I think that's great value there. Um, I have Cam Young top ten plus two forty. We talked about earlier how good Cam Young's been since his new caddy. And then I have Tony Finau top twenty plus one forty five, and Sam Burns top twenty at plus one ninety. I got uh, Tom Kim as the uh, to finish as the uh, top Asian player. 
uh, at plus 270. I think he can really put together another good week. He's been very consistent. And then I, I'm just, I think I'm just going to have to fanboy on Sepp Straka the rest of the year. He's been, he's he, your guy. He's your guy. He's he my has, guy for he now. Has and great he, course history here, by the way. And he is just like, he was like T16 at one point last week. He kind of fell off. He, had, he shot 74, 78 uh, over the weekend, but I'm taking him over Adam Scott at uh, minus 110. And then Matt Fitzpatrick, sneaky. Uh, I think he shot 70 like every day. He was very, he had a very good, um, Augusta, he may be rounding back into form. I have him over Shoffley. It's plus 104. I, it, it's a risky one, but I think it could pay off. Uh, Straka finished third here last year. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he was part of that <clears throat> log jam that finished tied for third, those seven players that I already mentioned. So that leads me to my favorite prop bets. You know, I already mentioned Corey Connors as part of my favorite group. I think his game really uh, adds up to this course. I'm taking him to be the top Canadian player at plus 220 odds. You know, there's some big names in there. Taylor Pendrith, President's Cup team. Uh, Adam Hadwin. Yep. So, yeah. Svensson, yeah. Adam Svensson, yeah. So, I'm taking Corey Connors to be the top Canadian player. Some good odds for those players. In the field this week, yeah, yeah. Plus 220. And I'm also doing a uh, two-man parlay, Patrick Cantley top five, and a Tony Finau top ten. I like the Tony Finau top ten purely because I believe he is – the game doesn't necessarily translate to – this course, but I feel that with every single course, there are exceptions. So I think Tony Fina will be that exception this year. Top 10, those are plus 1,300 odds. And another fun one that I found, four of the last 10 editions of the RBC Heritage, including last year, have gone into a playoff, which is vastly more than any other PGA Tour event. So like I said, four of the last 10, I have this to be decided in a playoff, especially with the amount of elite guys that are in this. You're going to have guys that are... 14, 15, 16 under, and that's going to be a huge logjam of all those guys. So plus 400 odds on the sports books to be decided in a playoff. And one other thing that we have to get to before we leave, it's not on our agenda here, but Jack needs to explain the bet that he lost last week. Uh, Bryson really, really he flaked. Made me angry. He, <laughs> he flaked. He, uh, he actually played quite well, like four where he ended up. Uh, day one, I think he, I don't know if he was three, four over, but he missed three or four three-foot putts, um, and I was so – I think I was texting Gray. I was like, oh, he's coming back tomorrow. He's going to – he's not only going to make the cut. I told him he wasn't going to make the putts. I told him he wasn't going to make the putts. And he putts. came back, and he missed even more. He missed seven th- inside three feet, um, and his old guy ended up making the cut. So Yeah, Freddie Couples uh, becomes the oldest player in Masters history to make the cut. So that – is my win, which constitutes our next round of golf together. We'll be on our Jack. Our next round. Next nine round. Holes, we'll not be on, that's fine. We'll be <laughs> on Jack. So that wraps us up here for the long drive. Thank you all so much for listening. Catch us every week for the remainder of the season. Make sure to check out all of Impact 89 FM's other podcasts. This has been the long drive on Impact 89 FM.